So the thing that I love most about this movie is that it is possibly the sleaziest movie ever made. It's really and it's a remake really sleazy of a Bergman film. I know. That's what makes me so happy. Which I feel like must be how Mr. Craven could live with himself at night because <laughs> I got to tell you, I mean this in a totally complimentary way. This movie is terrible. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gore hounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college in which we meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror movie section of our local video store in our quest to learn how to survive and to ensure we end up as, as the, the final, final girl. girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking each movie down one by one, geeking out over all the ghastly minutiae, and ultimately illuminating, illuminating the path to, to survival. survival. Hey everyone. Hello. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Julia. I'm Marion. This is episode 67 entitled Same Old Stuff, Murder and Mayhem. Because today we're doing 1972's Last, Last House on, on the, the Left. left. Uh, the beginning of the next few episodes where it's going to be all Wes Craven all the time leading up to Halloween. Yeah. Um, and beyond. And beyond. Because it's you October know, and November. And it's Wes Craven Orama because yeah. we love us some Wes. Yeah, we're really going to cover it. Um, yeah. A lot of them. I mean, we already have covered a lot of them, but we're there's a whole lot more. So never enough Wes Craven, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so this movie, the tagline to avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. It's, it's only a movie. movie. It's only a movie. Uh, this movie was made for $90,000. Oh, okay. And it made $3 million. Wow. Okay. So this, and this is like, this is the, this is his first film, yes. right? So this is like the beginning of the sort of the transition of Wes Craven, unhappy college professor, yes. to Wes Craven, unlikely horror film director. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. And this is uh, it was originally titled Night of Vengeance. Oh, okay. But I that's the title of his because he wrote he, he wrote and directed. Yes, this, right. Okay. Uh huh. So did. he titled it Night of Vengeance. Yes. And then somebody was like, No, no, no. that's dumb. Okay. Last House on the Left, which okay. is admittedly a much better title. It is. It has nothing to do with anything no. in this movie. They never established they are the Last House on the no, Left. No, but that's okay. Yeah, I don't like, mind. It just rolls off the tongue. So the thing that I love most about this movie is that it is possibly the sleaziest movie ever made. It's really and it's a remake, really sleazy of a Bergman film. I know. That's what makes me so happy. Which I feel like. Must be how Mr. Craven could live with himself at night because <laughs> I got to tell you, I mean this in a totally complimentary way. This movie is terrible. This yeah. is a terrible, terrible movie. It's terrible and wonderful it's all at once. Just like, oh man. So when Marion and I watched this in college for the first time, we had no idea what we were getting into. No, because we were like, we love Wes Craven, we yeah. love Scream, we love Nightmare on Elm Street, and Texas Chainsaw. I got it. Like I right. knew what that was, whether that was going to be about. But this one, it was like, pop it in. It's the seventies. How bad can it be? And we were like clutching each other in terror. It's no just good. Just this is, this shell shock. This is also not a good movie for like two college students to be watching, two girls to no. be watching by themselves, uh -uh. like in an empty apartment. It's, just, it's no good. See, okay, so this is one of these films. Now, um, mm -hmm. I know that there are some some people who listen to this podcast who will listen to watch whatever we we recommend, and we do recommend this film, but we have to give it a caveat. It's really, so really, caveats. really fucked up. So, like, yeah, it's not a fun film. No. You're not going to have a good time. Don't like bring your friends over and watch it. Like, get ready. for And some... if it is fun and a good time for you, I don't want to hear about it. Like, I'm not interested. <laughs> like, I just don't. Just you, just carry on, carry on. Um, yeah, it's it's really dark, and I mean, you can definitely see it's sort of interesting because I've read interviews where sort of afterwards Wes Craven was like you know why can't I get out of this horror thing I'm like this is why yeah. this is why because anyone seeing this you're it's just something's wrong with you mm -hmm. or it's just like you went so dark and for someone's like out of the gate horror horror movie wow sir and I understand that there's a lot of sort of like you know post-Vietnam sort of issues sure. with violence and all that kind of stuff but 
Jesus, uh, it's pretty dark. And for someone to to watch uh, Virgin Spring and be like, I see an exploitation movie in here. I'm like, wow, right on. Yeah. Good for you. His his brain works in an entirely different way. (laughs) And that's why he's great. Uh, So this movie starts Mm -hmm. uh, with a mailman dropping off mail to the Collingwoods, Mm -hmm. uh, where beautiful young Mary Collingwood is taking a shower, getting ready to go out for her pre-birthday bash. Yeah, she's turning 17. Um, She's very excited. uh, And her parents are reading the paper. uh, And her dad is sort of commenting on the stuff. Oh, same old stuff. Murder and mayhem, where we get our title of this uh, episode. Um, And there's definitely, they set it up. We're like, you know, obviously, this is going to be like our heroine. And these are her parents. And everything is just sunshine and roses. And nothing bad has ever happened to these people. No, and and they're just super happy. They're like joshing each other. The dad's like, you're not wearing a bra, which is also just a very weird comment for a dad. Awkward dad conversation. Awkward dad comment. I was like, don't don't comment on that, dad. Um, Uh, But he does give her a pre-birthday present, which is a peace sign necklace, which she's very happy about. Puts on to go out with her buddy Phyllis to the wrong side of the tracks Yeah, to go see Bloodline. Lust. Um, I like that Phyllis, because uh, it's sort of, they're like, you're going out with Phyllis? And she, this sort of Phyllis is kind of described as like the friend that the parents kind of didn't wish she had, but like it's not all that bad. Uh, Phyllis has this great line where uh, she says that her parents are from the iron and steel industry. Her mother irons and her father steals. Hey, hey, here we go. Um, and I like that the beginning of this movie is just, it's almost kind of like a music video. It's just like casually 70s folk. Like it's yeah. just, you know, the girls are sort of walking along and there's idyllic nature scenes and it's sort of like the equivalent of braiding each other's hair and talking about boys. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, also... It's really, it's really, it sets up their characters quite nicely though because yeah. you have Mary who's obviously this very naive virgin and yeah. then you have Phyllis who's kind of the hardened girl from the wrong side of the tracks. And right, they, as hard as you can be at 17 but yeah yeah, you could be pretty hard at 17 yeah Um, but they talk they're going to see bloodlust so they Mm -hmm. talk about what it'd be like to make it with bloodlust and Mary says she hopes it would be soft like in cotton and you're like oh no (laughs) Mary which is the thing is I felt like especially kind of rewatching this movie P.S. I'm never seeing this movie again but Mm -hmm. on the rewatch of this movie I just every time I'm watching these movies and or you know the scene and their conversations I'm just shaking my head like the whole first 20 minutes is me just shaking my head they're like getting ice cream and shit so you're like oh this can't go that badly they're getting ice cream You're just, never going to have ice cream again, guys. Just why, just so you know. Um, so they decide that they have, uh, Phyllis have smuggled a bottle of booze, but they also want some pot to go with that booze. Right. So let's ask someone dodgy for some pot. Just the beginning of your mistake. Um, yes. Because the, mo- the movie also kind of has the, on the radio, they sort of say that there's these escaped convicts and there's Krug and his son and this other guy named Weasel and a, a woman that they describe as strong and animal-like <laughs> named Sadie. And so, of course, like when the girls are sort of, you know, wandering around being like, who are we going to buy drugs from? Oh, hey, Krug's son, Junior. Uh, is just kind of outside on a stoop, and they're just like, "Hey!" So this is his. This is Krug's son, who he has hooked on heroin, so he can have control over him. Right. Um. And Junior at first is just like, "No, nah, no, nah, I don't know where you get drugs," but then was like, "Well, I do know where you get the drugs. Why don't you come on up to about this apartment?" So horror movie so my guy tip: if you open the door to an apartment, you see those people in that apartment, just back away immediately. No way, man. There's a he- moment of hesitation, and that's the downfall where yeah. they just like get ushered in, and then you're like, "Now nah, you're done for." Yeah. And they realize it. Real quick. Immediately. I feel like the door slams and then Phil, I think Phyllis says something, yeah, right? Oh, she's like, oh shit. Like yeah. she, and it's like the oh shit of not just the door got slammed, but like the whole situation they've walked into. She realizes she's totally screwed up, which is interesting because I feel like, again, that's the split between the two girls where Phyllis immediately kind of realizes 
possibly, I don't think to the extent, but a bit like what they may be in for. And Mary's just like, um, when can we get out? Like, yeah, when can she doesn't get what's at happening at all at all? Which again, I'm just still shaking my head at this movie. Watching <laughs> You're just going to be shaking your head this entire podcast going, no, <sighs> pretty much, no. pretty much. Uh, so they, they do cross cutting of, uh, Mary's parents setting up her house for her birthday party with a big yeah. banner and the cake and the whole bit with the girls being abducted. And just like from the beginning, you're like, oh, they're not, these aren't fun criminals. These are bad, horrible, horrible criminals who just like, they, they have no moral qualms at yeah. all. It's just anything goes. And they have Sadie who's yeah. super into it as well. Super into it. I think also to the part of what's I think really disconcerting about this movie is the weird intercuts that happen throughout the film. And we'll get into it more of like when the parents are doing setting up all the stuff with uh, the birthday party there's like this weird ragtime music Mm -hmm. and so it's like you cut back and forth between the sort of the four people kind of beginning to tease these girls and pin them and kind of kind of tease like the horrible things we might do to you and make jokes and all this kind of stuff and the parents are like laughing and kissing and setting this thing up so it's really like he's really playing up the how bad this is in context of the life that Phyllis and Mary have just totally left behind and are yeah. probably never going to get back. Right. Um, and so there's like this torturous element for the audience that's sure. before, that's about expectation. That's before any of the things have actually happened. Like Wes Craven does a really good job out of the gate for his first film of just like the build, the build of like what's going to happen, what's rather than just like getting immediately into it. And we do get into it. But oh, yeah. I think that part of it is just what really just makes it just... It's like makes my heart sink watching this thing where I'm like, come on. Yeah, just, this whole movie is no. about making your heart sink. Basically. Like if, you're, if, you're, if your heart's not in your stomach this entire film, it should be. Yeah. And that's what he's going for. And I love it because it makes you so uncomfortable and so, so bad. Um, but mm. Phyllis isn't going down without a fight. She yeah. uh, immediately spits in Weasel's face and yeah. you're like, ooh, you're kind of making it worse for yourself. Like I understand yeah. the final instincts of wanting to be defiant. Totally. But then also... You're just making it worse. Like yeah. you're just getting it. Now it's going to be even so much worse than it was. Yeah, definitely. So, and, and I think also too, like in the or kind of early days of this, it's like Weasel and Phyllis kind of disappear, and it's like kind of goes to like Mary watching something go down, but you don't necessarily see what you like. You understand, but you don't necessarily right. see kind of what's going down. So you're kind of like, oh, okay, well. And then it cuts to the next morning. So you're like, oh, okay, so there's going to be some like off-screen uncomfortableness, but yeah. we're not going to see that uncomfortableness because it's not that kind of movie. <sighs> So they, uh, <laughs> Phyllis and Mary get chucked in the back of the trunk and yeah. they, they ride away with this theme song, I, this I know. incredible theme song Again, about this movie what's happening. Like, yeah. So David Hess Krug himself <laughs> mm-hmm. has wrote and sings this music, which makes it even more perverse. Yeah. You're watching him be the, like the sleaziest embodiment of horribleness ever uh-huh. put on screen. And then he's singing, hey, everybody, we're yeah. out on a day out. I mean, he's not singing like on camera. Like it's definitely like film score, like singing. But it's you're just like, what? Yeah. And the song is about, it's a very 70s folk song about, yeah, like the characters and, the, and what they're doing and how bad they are. And again, it just has this weirdly jovial atmosphere for these appalling people. And I wonder also, too, if like kind of the rewatch, because we know what they're going to do, it like works on both levels. Like on the rewatch level, you're just like, come on, man, this is so bad. But on the for the first timer, it's meant designed to make you think that it's not really that bad. Yeah. It's not going to be that bad. It's either kind of is terrible. Like lulling either... you into a full sense of confidence. Damn, you're Mr. Like, oh, there's, there's goofy mu- music, so it can't be all that bad. Also goofy, we have these incredibly stupid cops. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> this is the one thing about Last of the Left that I have the problem with yeah. is these stupid, stupid cops. Which I think obviously is like meant to be this plot device where like the audience needs the reprieve. Yeah. So like it's it's like horrible, horrible, horrible scene where the bumbling cops have lost their car, scene where the bumbling cops, right. you know, and the, have we, this conversation. We'll get to this point where it doesn't matter, like just cut away to something. Like yeah. it doesn't matter what you cut away to. Like we'll get to that point. But mm-hmm. in the beginning, you're just like, come on. What, we what with is these guys? Yeah. Wasting time here. Yeah. And so it's because it's really the next morning, the parents are like, they're nervous that Mary's not back, but the dad's sort of like, well, she's a responsible girl. She's probably had her fling. She's 17. Let her do her thing. How bad can it be? Um, so they call the cops eventually. Get Mom's getting real nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cops come and uh, they see a car that's stopped outside of the Collingwood's house, yeah. uh, which happens to be the very car mm-hmm. which everybody is in and has broken down mm-hmm. steps away from her house. And so we have the, the horrifying shot of Mary being dragged out of the trunk with the blindfold, with a gag in her mouth and seeing that it's her own house. She's right there. Yeah. And Phyllis makes a run for it, like fully tries to go and... Uh, Phyllis, uh, Sadie and Weasel kind of give chase and they have the scene too where um, I feel like Junior is an interesting one because he's obviously, because he's hooked on heroin, I feel like this whole thing was set off by Junior. So it's sort of like he gets no reprieve, but you get the sense that he, when they're all doing what they're going to do, like Junior's not necessarily into it the way the rest of them are, but like he's kind of too weak to help. Right, because he's already going through withdrawal and like he's so like, what can he really do? Like he's either stoned out or going withdrawal so his his help is is kind of no yeah so we get kind of right into the fun stuff um so so the thing is like with, with these these characters are not just interested in murder they're also interested in humiliation and like enjoyment yeah. and even you know sadie kind of says during the middle of it like it's a riot man i dig it like they're getting off on this perverseness so we have them making phyllis peer pants and then uh hit each other uh, in the face, Marion's loving it, um, and and then and then start to make it with each other, which and know, then strip in front of each other, and this was this and then is, make it in front yeah, of each junior, other. This is Junior's way to try to stop it, though. Like he sees them making them hit each other, and he's like, no, 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 don't make them hit each other, make them make it with each other. And you're like, you're trying to help. It's a little bit better, but, but also really... you know where that's gonna go, <laughs> yeah. like you know. So it just. I don't, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all bad. It's all terrible. And and again, it's shot because it's sort of the 70s. I'm assuming this was shot on like 60 millimeter or yeah. whatever. Um, it has this kind of handheld verite, film. totally kind of thing, which, you know, I'm not incredibly used to. So I feel like when I see it in, I feel like I always see it in the context of these kind of movies and it just makes me extra ill because yeah. it's just like, you're just kind of like, all right, all right. And it's not, it's not really necessarily kind of cut for pacing and it's not like the scenes don't look set up as scenes mm-hmm. it just looks like these act the act these actors are doing this stuff in the woods and there's just like a couple of creepy filmmaker dudes filming them yeah which is what it is but it, you know it it's is, just like yeah. the you know just and the actors like mary sandra cassell plays mary is just uh, apparently legitimately terrified throughout this entire film yeah. and it kind of shows like yeah. it, there's just a shot of her like finally having to take her panties off and just her crying and it's just like any sicko who's watching this now and is like into this bit like oh guys Mm -hmm. like everybody in the audience feels ill Mm -hmm. and there's I understand not wanting to watch that movie because of this and like but it's like but you have to see I feel like this is like how far the limit can be pushed Mm -hmm. is this kind of film and Mm -hmm. I still don't think there's been a horror film that's like made me this 
yeah. feel this awful. Yeah. Um, it's pretty bad. Except I spit on your grave, but I turned that off because that was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like, no. no. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, eventually yeah, Phyllis does make a break for it and Sadie and Weasel give chase and Mary tries to convince Junior um, that she'll like to help her. And she's like, oh, she realizes that she's like basically in the woods right near her house, which again, nine times more horrifying. And her dad's a doctor and he'll like give you a fix. Like if you help me and Junior's ears kind of prick up like maybe. Um, and and the necklace very... that she's wearing, the peace sign necklace that her father gave her for her birthday, she gives it to him. Like we're friends now, right? We're friends. She gives him his his hippie name because he's so beautiful. She calls him Willow. Yeah. I'm just like, Jesus. Oh. Like the whole thing is horrible. Um, uh, but Phyllis uh, does hit Sadie in the head with a rock. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, so you're like, maybe. And then you have that like, heartbeat sound when phyllis is running that's yeah just and we were, we were talking about we'll watch this like well in, in phyllis's situation you're like what is your best bet like you're just kind of crazy she's from the, the city yeah she doesn't know the forest she's just running crazily in any direction yeah. um she does pretty well for a while she does pretty well i would say i would say like lay down flat in the ferns and just yeah. like lay there mm-hmm. or stockpile of rocks right but either way it's not gonna help you in this situation yeah because uh phyllis gets stabbed Really bad, right, right. Next yeah, because she gets stopped by Krug, and so basically Krug and Weasel and Sadie like all descend on her. And her. What happens to her is, is no good. So yeah, they um I didn't remember. So she does spit in their face again, right? As she's, like as she's being killed, she's yeah. like till the end, she's yeah. very defiant. Yeah, but uh, I forgot the shot, and Marion turned away. Uh, oh yeah, they pull her guts out, and I was like, oh wow. It. I think it's what what's. And again, I've I've not probably seen the whole thing in its entirety. But what what kind of struck me about it, where you know they stab her bunches of times, and then it seemed to be the thing where they kind of it's even hard to say accidentally disemboweled her. Mm. And I feel like when they do that, they all kind of have this look where they're like, "Oh wow, like we went really far." And I think this is I sort of talked about in the the episode where we talked about Texas Chainsaw, how sort of heartless and vicious that movie was, and it really makes it really hard for me and kind of broke my heart. But I think what's a, the thing about this film is I, I feel like the family, the crazy family in Texas, they're so animal-like, they don't even know what they are. And the thing about Krug and company is they totally know what they are. And they thing one, they don't care. And thing two, their own viciousness surprises them. Mm-hmm. So when they've killed her even to this point, they're just like, oh, wow. No regrets, P.S. No. Not a single one. They don't feel bad about it. But they're like, huh? Like they've like surprised themselves by their own viciousness. And I think that scene, then, you know, afterwards they they kind of walk over to a pond and start trying to wipe off the blood and everything. But it's like, oh, well, that went far. That yeah. was that was excessive. Okay, what's next? Let's step it up. So what do you want to want lunch? Uh, who's up for sandwiches? And, you know, and that, I think there's something about that that you're just like, like, just very, very frightening. Uh, so that we have, uh, then we cut back to uh, Mary. Yeah, they... who has convinced, you know, Junior to, to kind of like help her a little bit, but... Too little, too late. Yeah. And they catch her. And then we're in for the funnest scene in the film. Um, and this is where like, you're like, okay, this is as far as it'll go. Cause this is as bad as it'll get. Like this is, you hope so. But if yeah. you get, if you're first time or watching this movie, I think this is where people would switch it off. Yeah. Like if the, if the disemba- accidental disemboweling wasn't enough for you. How about this? How about uh crew carves his name in Mary's chest and then rapes her and which, you know, and, they don't, he doesn't cut away. That's, yeah. you know, it's just this extended held shot on their faces. And yeah. it's like him drooling on her and she's in pain. And it's just uh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. And it, I think that's the part of like kind of the movie making experience where like at what point you're just like, okay, this isn't like 
fun anymore. This no. is like make no, believe. I, I, this isn't like a day at the office, you know, or like lying in the woods pretending this ridiculous thing. And you're just like, geez, Wes Craven, really out of the gate, yeah. out of the gate. Yeah, but this is also where he, why he became what he I became. Know, so, know, so uh, Mary uh, walks up, af- gets up afterwards, uh, throws up. And then prays uh, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, which, which, again, they all sort of have this look with each other like, too far? Did we go too far? Maybe we went uh, too far? Or we could, yeah, yeah. she prays. I, and, and I think it's I think it's a moment of like, they're so uncomfortable, but they don't want to act like they're uncomfortable. And then they're cool with it. So it's all right, guys. And like, yeah. and now we'll just be real casual about it. And yeah. like, keep going. And uh, yeah, just take this thing to its conclusion. Yeah. And so uh, Mary walks out into the lake and they shoot her and kill her. And there she is dead in the lake. Yep. That's and, and at this movie. point, and at this well, point, and this is like halfway through the movie. Yeah. So we're kind of like, uh, oh, all right. Well, you know, both our heroes are dead. Uh, the bad guys have won. What next movie? What, what do you next? have next for us? Uh, well, they decide to. We have the cutaway with uh, Ada and the oh, police. Ada. Okay, yeah. here's a question I have. So at this point, as we said, happy to cut away to anything. These yeah. police, fine. How about Ada and her chicken truck? Uh-huh. Question I have. Uh-huh. Martin Cove gets down on his knees and pretends he Martin can. Martin Cove plays one of the deputies. Yes, mm-hmm. says he can hear a truck coming yeah. with chickens on it. Mm-hmm. Which actually comes? Is it a joke? Does he really just <laughs> does he really just know that there's a chicken truck coming? I don't, I, I don't I, understand I don't, it. I don't know. I don't know. Can't call that. But at that point, you're like just so kind of just watching with like your eyes fixated and your brain is like leaking out of your ears. I hope you're like, I never don't know saw movie. I don't know this film because uh, it would be so awkward. Yeah, you're like, hey, you're in this movie didn't know you were in this movie did you yeah (laughs) i was just driving my chicken truck man i know that's true i'm like was ada given the full script probably not probably not because sean s cunningham is the producer of this film and this is sort of their big like ta-da the two of them getting off the ground i think i read that ada was his parents housekeeper or something um and yeah i'm like there's no way you let this lady read this script she was like okay it was just like oh come be in this goofy scene so they have this thing where like you know the deputies have their cars broken down and they're trying to get back to the Collingwoods, but like they're just walking and hippies aren't giving them rides because they hate pigs and you know all the stereotypes and uh and so yeah they have this scene where like ada's like get on top of the truck no you can't get on the truck there's too much weight you have to get rid of some of the chickens no we're not going to get rid of the chickens and at this point i'm like let's just i mean it's a horrible scene but you're like let's just keep this thing going because this this, this I can deal with, you know. Um, but the uh, Krug and company end up deciding to uh, try to stay the night at this house that they happen to be right next to. Mm-hmm. So they get a little spiffed up, try to look a little normal yeah. and go over to the Collingwood's house. Yep. Who being the nice, good people they are, invite them in to spend Come right the night. In, have dinner, sleep in our beds. Sleep in Mary's bed. Yeah. That's the worst. Pretty bad. Um, yeah, fully feeds them dinner. I like that the dad kind of notices things aren't totally right. He sees a bandage that's on Sadie. And also, like, they don't do a very good job of acting normal. Like, yeah, they're just... Sadie's just chugging wine. Yeah. <laughs> Weasel's got, like, a bite mark on his wrist. You know what like, I mean? It's just You're just like, like this, is, this, this is not good. Um, and Junior's getting crazy sick from withdrawals at this point. And so the mom um, sort of sees him throwing up. And when she does, she notices that he has Mary's necklace on. And it's like, wait a minute. So then she goes into the su- their suitcase and sees that there's bloody clothes. And then they go out. They tells the dad and they run out and they find her body in the pond nearby. Um, and at that, that moment, they go twang. Yes. Um, Very big twang. Super big twang. But let's go back home to yeah. where these people are at our house and deal with them. Yeah. And we're going to deal with them. We're not going to call the cops. Nope. We're not going to get mad. We're just going to get even. So uh, the the first thing we have is we have a nightmare. This is a very West Haven signature yeah. in which uh, Weasel, 
a nightmare where they're going to knock his teeth out. With yeah, a, it's like he's like in a dentist chair and the dentists are the parents and they put like a hammer and chisel to his teeth. Which it's is gnarly. Bleh. Well done with this, sir. Slow clap. Wes um, Craven, you might have something to do with nightmares. I don't, <laughs> I I don't know. Good with nightmares. Um, but then he wakes up He wakes up, um, and there's this other scene which Julie and I were just looking at each other like, no way, man, no way, where... What the, the mother's idea is to lure because Weasel is constantly like making eyes at everything. And who was P.S. Uh, is a porn director in real life. Yeah, mm-hmm. like very prolific. Yeah, and apparently hates this movie. What hates this movie? Okay, hates it. Um, and uh, but the mom basically starts uh hitting on him and is like, hey, you know, I could use a big, strong, handsome man. Fully knowing this man killed his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um. And lures him outside and pretends to be like they kind of start making out and pretends to be super into it. And um, meanwhile, uh, the dad is starting to rig like Nancy style, like from Nightmare, starts to like Nancy up the house with like water and shaving cream on the floor and live wires and electricity. He and is just boob and trapping the fuck out of his house. trapping the crap out and of it. And it's this like clinical detachment that's kind of the scariest bit of both the parents like they they're going through the motions and they're like convincing the other person but they're also Mm -hmm. so incredibly crazy by this point that like you have to be so like your brain's so turned off yeah i'm just like what is that mental state that is a crazy mental state it's really where you're like you're so insane i'm like i'm going to go down on you and then like bite your dick off and then like that's my revenge she does and i'm like that's an intense revenge man and it's also it has this weird thing where it's it, it kind of feels like you're um, making it up as you go along, but what you're making up as you go along is like how you're going to torture and then kill this person. Yes. It's not just about killing them because they have like guns in the house and, you know, there's a basement with a plethora of weapons and we want to um, make them suffer. Definitely. Because they know that that's what happened to their daughter because they find her and they see what's on her chest and like they get it. And yeah. they're like, oh, 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 we're doing this. Oh, okay. Got it. We're going to do this. But the, and the both, the parents do it separately. They're they not do. like conferring. This is how we're going to do it. They're just like, okay, you got him. I got him. All right, let's go. Let's do this thing. Let's do it. Yeah. Um. So the Krug and uh, Krug and uh, dad have a really big fight and Krug in the middle of the fight kind of gets the upper hand and Junior's like trying to help. But basically Krug talks him into shooting himself in the mouth Mm -hmm. where he's like belittling him and you're not, you know, helpful. You're not. And again, I think there was sort of no other real end for the junior character because his own weakness is sort of was what allowed this thing to happen. Um, And so, yeah, like he's not dispatched by the parents. He's dispatched by his own father. Um, Charming. Yeah. Charming. Uh, And we have the first use of a chainsaw in a horror movie pre Texas Chainsaw Massacre Mm -hmm. where dad fully chainsaws he does yeah uh, they like tear apart this living room i mean yeah. it's a pretty solid fight and um, yeah, but crew's definitely a, winning he is uh, yeah. but he gets electrocuted by yep. the booby trap right and uh, and those like smashing chairs and tables and then eventually dad busts out the chainsaw um and meanwhile mom is outside and fighting with sadie and they have this great fight in like a pile of leaves which i found <laughs> kind of amusing and i was like is that to help the actresses with padding i don't know um but she, sadie basically was running into the through the backyard but it's at night and so she runs into the pool and when she tries to get out of the pool the mom slits her throat and she falls back into the pool and um and then yeah the dad is just about to um uh, chainsaw Krug when the deputies finally show up at the house and they have this moment where the deputies are like, no, don't, Mr. Dr. Collingwood. And he could stop, but he doesn't. Nope. Um, and chainsaws Krug and that is the end of Krug. And then I like how also when the cops arrive, it's like freeze frame movie. That's it. That's it. And they, they ask the question, 
who's the real monsters here, guys? Yeah, a little bit. Or, I mean, I suppose they do in, the, in that sense where I think it's shocking, but I don't think anybody watching this doesn't feel like the parents aren't totally justified yeah, in what they just like, did. Kill it's those like, assholes. I mean, you, it went pretty far, but they're, uh, yeah, I feel like people are just watching, watching it sort of thinking, wow, like everyone lost. Oh, yeah. Like that's the kind of heartlessness of this movie. Like everyone lost. Like there is no triumph over this. No, like everyone loses. You feel like the Collingwood's lives are ruined. Yeah. No more Mary and Phyllis, like Krug and company, like everyone, no winners here. It's just, it's a lot of paperwork sure. for the deputies. It's, it's interesting as, as a filmmaker, like you, you have these murders, which you as an audience completely abhor. Mm -hmm. And then you have these murders that you're kind of on board with, that you're kind of like, yeah. please kill those people. But yet horrified by, because sure. the way in which they do it is just, it's bad, you know, but you're not like, oh, I hope they get out of it, but you're still horrified by it. Sure. But it's great because you have these characters that are set up as these horrible criminals and then you yeah. have characters who set up as like nice normal people but they have the same level of brutality in Definitely. the end mm -hmm. so and i suppose that that is his commentary um so yes so movie ratings um uh, uh zero to five chainsaws one if you're desperate two barely qualifies as a horror film three seen worse seen better four is not too shabby and five is fantastagorical um we both gave this a five. We um, did. <laughs> I give it a five knowing this is not my bag. This is an artistic five. This is a, like I, for horror films, for what you set out, this thing is appalling. And I'm like, all right, like that's. I, I you know, I, I can't say I enjoy watching this film. No. But I say I enjoy the concept of this film very much. I enjoy the like. It succeeds it's, in what it sets out to do. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like it's it goes so far that it wins in even though it's horrible. But I also kind of like it. But I couldn't really show it to many people because it's not fun. No, and I never want to see it again. Like mm -hmm. never. But I feel also for two, if there's, there's people sort of out there that are sort of threatening like horror films aren't really scary. I've never been scared. Blah, blah, blah. I'm if like, you, oh, really? Do you want to test it? Oh, really? We have the movie for you. So uncomfortable. Uh, we also have Gore Factor. Yes. So one is not enough blood to fill a day. Dixie cup two is a puddle of blood three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer four is a bathtub of blood and five is run for the barf bag this uh, also gets a five run for the yeah. barf bag so this is an all-around five from all from both of us yeah. and for gore yeah i feel like i looked away like a good like three four times mm -hmm. um also i think what i enjoy too is mostly my looking away is because it's so gory and gross and i think there was looking away because it was too much uh -huh. like the whole thing was too much the scenario was too much the you just like i wanted this not to be my current reality so i'm looking away and i think that's a large part where my five comes from for this movie because even though it is it's just it's awful uh that's that's a thing that's a success you know and i i have to think that was a huge part of what his hopes were for the film so well i thank you for watching this <laughs> Again, you've watched this twice for me, Marion. Never again. Greater friendship hath no love never, than never. watching Last House on the Left twice. <laughs> Especially Thank you. if you're me. It's never going to happen again. Uh, so we're going to downgrade it slightly, mm -hmm. but not by much uh -huh. uh, in terms of the uh, uncomfortableness. Yeah. And uh, going in next to another Wes Craven film, uh, The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. So we're just going in order now because this is number two, right, mm -hmm. Mr. Craven? Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's it ain't pretty, it but ain't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's yeah, it's a different kettle of fish, definitely. Um, and it's one of the first films uh, with Dee Wallace Stone, right? It's uh, one or of her, yeah, it one is of, her first film. One of her first, one of her first film. Okay, um, so yeah, we will be talking about that next week. I'll see you for la uh, Hills Have Eyes, <laughs> not Last Hills Left. We watch no, that. we're not Already. seeing that anymore. <laughs> no, Hills Have Eyes. See you then, guys. <laughs> <Bye>. Jesus. <laughs> 
Hey, everybody, we have some exciting news. Yeah, we're doing something a little different for Halloween. Well, we got to have something extra for October. Just mix it up a bit. Of course. So we, <laughs> we're going to be doing our first live stream episode Yeah. coming up Friday, October 26th yep. at 8.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, in which we're going to be discussing another Wes Craven film, uh, 1996 Scream. Yeah. yeah. What, um, a, what a great what a great movie to talk about. It, it is I'm really excited. It's going to be so much Dewey love. So much Dewey love. Um, let me <laughs> just tell Randy. you. And Randy. Um, but this one's going to be live, guys. So it's not going to be pre-recorded. So all our thoughts, it's going to be out there yeah. for you guys. So it'll be live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And you're welcome to write in if you have questions, if you want us to respond during the episode. We'll be looking. We will be looking. We yeah. will be live. Yeah. We will have our brilliant producer, Terry Gamble, on that board. <laughs> exactly. Reading our questions. So if you have anything that you'd ever wanted to ask us specifically about Scream or just about the podcast, yeah. we'll be around. That's the time. So Friday, October 26th, 8.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join us, guys. See you then. Bye. Survive.